Hello and welcome to the Heritage Hub Podcast. Today's episode is the start of a series of episodes that are taken from interviews conducted as a part of the Crossroads exhibit that was held in Loretto in the summer of 2021. In this episode, Susanna Pyatt sat down with Stanley Gaddy and discussed the changes he saw come to the area of Highview over the years. Due to the length of the interview, we have split it into two episodes. Enjoy. It is now recording. Um, and I'll give a little introduction to the recording. So this is Susanna Pyatt, and I'm interviewing Mr. Stanley Gaddy um, for the Loretto Crossroads exhibit, um, and it is August 12, 2020. Um, so the first question I have for you is, where were you born? I was born um, uh, in Raywick, Kentucky. Okay. So... One question that I have, because I'm not from this area, is Highview considered like its own community, or is it really part of Raywick? No, it's it's a, a, a community, I guess you'd say, five miles from Raywick, right on the Marin County, Marin uh, Larue Nelson border, where they kind of point there, and I'm, we're right on the edge of that. And Raywick's five miles away, but our mailing address is is Raywick, and and Highview is just a little. But it used to be everybody here was uh, either related somehow or another, and, and it's farming communities what it was. Okay. So did you grow up in Highview or in Raywick? Highview. Highview, uh, okay. About a, about, a, about a half a mile across the field from where I live now. Yeah, nice. Wow, really close. Um, and and uh, I may add this. Uh, um like I said, we were we were a, a uh, uh, farming community, and there used to be a lady in the neighborhood. Everybody called her Aunt Peggy, and she was she was one of these. Uh, oh, I don't know I don't know the correct terminology right now, but uh, people didn't go to the doctor then; they went to her. Mhm. And, and she knew all about uh, roots and herbs and whatnot, and. Uh, and somebody in the neighborhood would have a uh, some kind of an element, and they'd send for her, and she'd come by and check them out. And she'd say, well, I know where some uh, yellow root and this and that is. I'll, I'll, I'll go get some of that going home, and I'll make you up a, a medicine and give give him a two, two teaspoons a day or two spoonfuls a day. And... and uh, Everybody seemed to get over whatever was wrong with them, and uh, like I said, this was a very rural community, and I come from a family that had uh, uh, there was seven of us, seven kids, and we were all born in the house right right across from where I live now. Uh, she delivered every one of us, and she delivered just about all the kids in this neighborhood. Okay, so like what? Time period are you talking about? Well, I was born 1947, and my my youngest brother is the only one who's born in a hospital. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Aunt Peggy, as everybody called her, uh, she had gotten old and in the in the hospitals, and the doctors had got uh, more established. I guess be a good way to say it, and uh, she didn't uh, practice her medicine anymore. And my youngest brother, he's 
office. Yeah, I was born 47. He's 13 years younger than me, and he's the only one that made it to the hospital. Okay. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah, not very many people can say that nowadays, that they was a midwife. That's what they they call that lady, a midwife. Yeah, midwife. But like I said, yeah. she, doctored, she doctored everybody in this, this end of the county that had a problem, you know. I don't. I never heard anybody dying. So I guess she did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who were your parents? Uh, your mom and dad. Mr. and Mrs. Charles S. Getty. Yeah, and were they from Highview area too? Like, did they grow up well, there? My mother uh, grew up in uh, New Hope and New Haven. And. Uh, my father, um, he he grew up uh, in this neighborhood. Uh, his daddy uh, come to this area. Uh, he lived in uh, over over on the other side of Columbia, and uh, he bought bought a farm and moved over here. And uh, his uh, first wife passed away, and he married. Uh, my grandmother, which was from uh, Hodgensville. Okay. Um, so did your parents farm as well? Yeah, my father, uh, he farmed, uh, uh, well, he, he farmed and worked also, you know, he, he, uh, uh, are all about, Six or eight years back in the uh, 50s, he went to uh, Louisville and worked for GE, and they had a big layoff, and he got laid off, and he come back to the farm, and he farmed for several years, didn't do anything but farming, and then he got a, a job as a, uh, a supervisor for our construction company, and he worked, worked at that for uh, all several years. Okay, yeah. Uh, what kinds of, did you have do crops and livestock both? Um, like, what did you do on the farm? Or what did they well, do, when I, well, do on the farm? When I was, when I was younger, uh, when he was farming full-time, uh, we raised uh, sheep, cattle, and hogs, and uh, we grain farmed also. Okay, yeah. So as a kid, did you have to do a lot of the farm? Did you have farm chores every day? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, dad let, he, my dad didn't let me stay in the bed till 10, 11 o'clock like they do nowadays and, and you know, <laughs> get up and watch TV and play video games. Uh, uh, when he got up, I got up shortly thereafter and... Uh, and uh, we started we started working. I, uh, um, well, when when he went back to public work, when he went for the construction company, I had done, I had I done I had already got in my teens in, and and my brother he was eighteen months younger than me, and uh, and at that time, um, uh, I, I guess you could say we did majority of farm work to be done while he was working. When I got out of high school, uh, about a year after I got out of high school, I went to the military, 
and I went through basic training, and uh, a lot of these uh, kids that led a real soft life, like like I was just talking about, where they watch video games and cartoons and all that stuff, mm-hmm. they, they they just having an awful time, you know. And I'd get joking with them. I said, I don't I don't know what you all complained about. I said, this is a piece of cake. What I had to do when I was on the farm. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I was up every morning working till dark. I said, I said, this is a piece of cake. And I thought it was, you know, basic trainers joke for it. I was concerned. Um, so what schools did you attend while you were growing up? What what did I do when I was growing up? What schools did you go to? Okay. Um I started out in a little one room schoolhouse right here in this community called uh Have You uh School. It was a one room school and it had eight grades in it. Wow. And um Probably the last one in this area, and um, it it uh, was finally closed down. Whenever they they got buses running around, you know, taking all the taking all the kids and taking them to school. And uh, this area, all the kids in this area went to uh, Glasscock and and uh, Lebanon, and there was a few that went to uh, Raywick and St. Charles. Okay, so was the Highview School was that a public school? Yes, it was. It was public school. Okay. East Baldwin was a superintendent back then. I can remember that. So I know, like, an, elsewhere in the county, there was like a mixture of um, Catholic religious sisters teaching in the schools, and also, um, you know, non-religious teachers. Were uh, like who was teaching at the one room schoolhouse before it closed? Um, we we had a uh, preacher by the name of Mister Wright, and uh, he was hired by Youth Baldwin to teach at that school. Of course, he was a preacher in a in a community at the local church also. And, at the and Methodist at the Methodist Church. Right. Okay. And yeah. then and, and then uh, he moved on, and a lady by the name of Mana Scott, she was a she was a teacher. Mister um, Spalding sent her down here, and she taught down here for several years until it closed. And okay. Then she went to and then she went to Raywick and taught. She taught several years at Raywick also. So, like, what was the one-room schoolhouse like? Was it, like, did you have very many, like, modern conveniences that had been added into <laughs> it, like bathrooms? Uh, or... no, no, no. The only modern convenient we had was a, a light switch that turned on six lights in the building. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, back in the, as you come in the door to the to the right, um, there was a wooden uh Oh, uh, water barrel, if you will. It was a small. It probably held about ten, maybe fifteen gallons of water, and that's where we all got our our water when we needed to drink. And out behind the schoolhouse, there was a 
uh, we call it the the whale house, and there was a whale back there with a with a hand, uh, hand crank on it, and if, if the water water uh, cooler got got low or empty of water, well, we uh, uh, the teacher would get some of the bigger bigger boys in the class to carry that out there, and they would sit down under it and turn the crank on the pump and pump water in it and then carry it back in the school and set it back up on the stand we, that was back there in the back. Wow, so no running water inside the building. No running water. No Some electricity. Had, <laughs> no, only electricity. And we had two outhouses, one for the girls and one for the boys. Right, yeah. Um. So then where did you go to high school? At uh, Lebanon High. Okay, yeah. Was they, that uh, um, an adjustment for you to go from, you know, a small one-room schoolhouse to a bigger high school? Well, I went from a, a, a one-room schoolhouse when I was in grade school, and uh, I went to Glasscock out there at grade school until I uh, went to high school, and then I went to Lebanon High, which is now the, uh, uh, I forget what they call it up there now, but it it's it's right there. Right there on Spalding Avenue, you, of course, the old old high school. You know where that is, I'm sure. Um, so you said you had seven siblings, right? Right. Well, it, huh. there's seven of us all together. I had four four sisters and two brothers. Okay. Um, did they also stay in this area after growing up? Uh, no, they they all went to high school and um. All but one of them um, uh, went off to uh, college and got a. Uh, I think I think I think they had uh, uh, business uh, business degrees or something like that, and uh, they had jobs. Uh, well, like uh, two of my sisters uh, had a job in Louisville, and. Uh, one of them worked for a lawyer over in Campbellsville, and the other one, after getting out of high school for a year or so, she ended up getting married and uh, married a guy from Greensburg, and they moved over there and lived in Green Green County. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you decide to stay in Highview? Well, I... Uh, uh, I didn't exactly stay, but I come back. Okay. Uh, I got out of out of high school, and I talked to my father, and in the Vietnam War was uh, was in full swing, and and uh, I didn't really have a clue what you know what I wanted to do, and um, I told him I said, well, the Vietnam War's going on, and I said if I get if I get into anything or go to work somewhere, I said. They're probably going to draft me. So I said, I think I'll just go ahead and, and uh, just jump into it and get it over with. So uh, he agreed with me. So I went and joined the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it uh, the old uh, 
old Army Hospital down here at Louisville. It, it was right along there where Louisville Manor used to be. And uh, that's where I was inducted at. And uh, from there, I went to San Antonio, uh, uh, Lackland Air Force Base for basic training. Did my basic there. Then I went to Wichita Falls to my tech school. And uh, that's where I received the uh, uh, schooling I was going to need for the the job that I was going to do in the military, which was an uh, uh, aircraft mechanic crew chief. And um, that took about, uh, let's see, well, the school was about 15 or 20 weeks long, if I remember right. And um, I had to wait till a graduating class left before I could get in school, so we just kind of in limbo for a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks down there before we got to go to school, and uh, completed my uh, tech training at uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, Wichita Falls, and um, from there I went to Charleston, South Carolina, hmm. and uh, I was working on the C-124s at the time. That was the largest aircraft cargo plane in the world at that time. And before I left there, they started phasing them out, going to C-5A galaxies. And I was down there till, um, oh, I got, I got to see, I don't remember exactly when I got there, but anyway, I, I was, I was there, um, I got there in the, in late winter, very early spring, and I stayed there until, um, um, October, I guess it was, and then I got orders for Vietnam, and then I went to Vietnam, and I spent four years or four years in the military altogether. Two years of it was in Vietnam. Wow. Um, I come back from Vietnam, and I was sent to Mount Out, North Dakota, and I spent one winter and almost one summer up there. And I got orders, and they sent me back to Vietnam. And um, um, I had so much fun over there; they decided to send me back. So I come, I come back from uh, Vietnam the second time, and uh, my four-year term was up. So, so I got out, and that's when I come back to uh, Marion County, where I live, and and I started uh, started into a. Uh, dairy operation with my father and um we were we were we were uh my goal was to get up to 100 milk cows and i was up to 75 75 when he passed away and and uh, things went downhill from there and it's going it was going to be too big of a deal for me to or at least i felt it was going to be too big a deal to, to jump into it uh full stock like like I was going to have to do, so I, I didn't, you know, I just elected to quit farming and went to public work, mm-hmm. and here I am. Okay, what kind of public work did you go into? I was a, uh, well, when I first went to public work, I was a maintenance machinist for uh, Owens, Illinois, over at Barstown, which was the old lily plant over there. 
Billy Taylor. And then uh, I worked there for almost 10 years, and I went to uh, Batesville Cas- Casket Company. And there I was uh, a technician, is what my job title was. And I worked there for six years. And then I went to Jim Beam Distilleries. And when I hired in there, uh, I was a uh, maintenance technician. And there I did just about everything that needed to be done in the way of uh, keeping machinery running. I, I, they sent me to several schools on the electronics, and, uh, and I did a lot of electrical electronic work, and uh, they had robots. And uh, I went to uh, Pennsylvania to uh, robot training up there for uh, uh, about a month, I guess. And... Uh, uh, like I said, I, uh, they had robots there, and, and I enjoyed working on those. And uh, and then I went to uh, all various various other places uh, to different types of uh, of uh, electronic electrical training. And uh, also, I was sent to uh, three different schools for uh, uh, heating and air conditioning. Did a lot of that uh, the distilleries they had a tremendous amount of cooling over there to cool all the product down before they put it in the barrels, and uh, and I was pretty well versed in uh, in cooling ACs and whatnot. Have you seen like what changes have you seen um, with agriculture and also with um, like local businesses and industries over the years? Well, uh, I've seen a lot of changes. Uh, I watched a lot of things uh, come and go. Like when I was a real small kid, just about everybody in this neighborhood had a, uh, a small building on the side of a barn or standing out by itself. We had one. We had one over at home, over where I lived, a blacksmith shop, and uh, a lot of stuff. They made it themselves, and then uh, along come. Uh, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. A lot of a lot of stuff they they just made themselves. You know, whatever they need. You know, you had a problem. Well, you figure out how to how to make something that would take care of the problem, and that's what you did. That that's just the way it was back then. You didn't run. Oh, I need I need uh, need this. I'll run up here to uh, uh, some farm sorts store supply and get what I need, you know, you made it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, just about everybody still had horses and mules when I was, when I was real small and they were being phased out. I watched, I watched them phase out. Then along come tractors and, uh, the tractors put all the horses and mules out of business in, in, uh, blacksmith shops cause, uh, Farm store started springing up then, and um, um, the uh, I watched I watched the, the horses fade away and the tractors. Uh, I guess the industrial revolution hit 
wide open. And then um, uh, another thing that put blacksmiths out of shop is welders. When I was real small, nobody knew what a welder was. And then uh, I guess my father was probably the first one that had one. Uh, he had he got a, a uh, settling welding outfit, and everybody in the neighborhood would bring stuff to him. Uh, a lot of times we'd be out working all day and go to the house and be three or four guys standing there wanting, wanting this and that, you know, fit, repaired, welded, or whatever. And uh, he would do that for him. And um, uh, I'm losing my train of thought here now. Um, and then, and then, a com, then along come electric welders. Um, and he got he got electric welder. I get he was the first one that had electric welder in this neighborhood, probably on this end of the county. And uh, and that's another thing. When when I was real small, uh, we didn't have electric in our house. Nobody nobody in the neighborhood did. And um, my dad. Uh, it was before I bar, uh, born. I heard him talking about it. He installed uh, electrical DC electrical lights in people's houses. Everybody in his house had a had a little uh, DC generator. It was a, it was a uh, one cylinder generator and and a battery pack. Uh, several I can still remember the batteries. They were they were probably about twelve inches tall and probably three or four inches round. And have a pack of those, and uh, you want lights at night. Well, you flip the switch on and turn the lights on. You had lights as long as your battery was up. If your battery started going dead, well, you go out and start up your generator and charge your battery up. Mhm. I saw uh, I saw uh, electric come in to the world, and uh, very few people at that time had running water in the neighborhood, and. Uh, of course, when electricity come about, everybody started going to electric uh, uh, water pumps, you know, and they had running water in their house. And uh, and my dad, uh, he installed uh, water systems in I don't know how many houses around the neighborhood. And when I got a little older where I could help him, I would go with him. And I, I would go for farm. I'd get this and that, you know, and, and farm. I, I learned pretty much how to do that type of stuff just by helping him. Yeah, so like, what a time period, roughly, with electricity and uh, indoor plumbing coming in. Okay, I was I was born in uh, nineteen and forty-seven, and uh, it it was just after that that all that started coming about. And another thing that uh, I saw come in and go out, well, it, I didn't see it come in, but it was here when I become aware of things, but I saw it go out, is telephones. Uh, we had a neighborhood community telephone system, and uh, the people in the, in the, this area strung wires all through the neighborhood. I can, I can remember some of the wires. Well, in fact, I remember uh, our phone and two or three other people. The phone still worked when I was about six, seven years old. And uh, one of the original uh, telephone posts is actually 
right right down the road on my property from my house and being as it was the original telephone company I've left it there I've never taken it down and um, and I, I have one of those old crank telephone poles it's in excellent shape wow and um, and my uncle he lived in uh, Uh, I can't think the name of the town now. Down Western Kentucky, and he come up here pretty often. And phone companies was beginning to move in this area. And he told my daddy, he said, "You need to keep that line, keep that line up, and keep it working." He said, "The phone company is going to come in this area, and and they will pay you uh, a pretty good amount of money to take your phone system over." And of course, my my dad, you know, oh, they'll never be in this area. Well, it wasn't no time they were. <laughs> so uh, he let he let that one go by. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Heritage Hub podcast. For further information on the Crossroads exhibit or to check out the other interviews, please visit the Marion County Public Library's website. The next episode will be out soon. Thank you for listening.